the Lent Gospel Reading Challenge. It um, would be a great way for all of us together to get back in the Word together and to open up our hearts and minds to what God has to say. Uh, my family uh, started day one already this afternoon at lunch. And so we read day one, and it was uh, very enjoyable uh, to hear my son read through the genealogy and pronounce all those names that are impossible to pronounce. We had a great time, great time with that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how, how the, just the stories look different between all the Gospels. Um, and so I decided on Sunday evenings during Lent, uh, we're going to look at another story that's in that reading section for the week. We're doing that in the morning, and there's plenty of content in each week that we could do that in the evening too. Um, so sometime during this week, you'll circle back to the passage that, we're, that we read on Sunday nights, and hopefully you'll remember the message as well. With that uh, pretty simple plan laid out there, I do have one confession to make tonight. Um, I already blew it because I, I picked the passage. I started writing the sermon. I was almost done with the sermon. I realized I picked the passage from week number two instead of week number one. How I did that, I have no idea. So you won't soak around to this passage this week, but in week two, you'll get a bonus. You'll get two stories that you've already heard about. So uh, consider that an extra bonus. But if you haven't already, take out your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. You would think that already in chapter 14 would tip me off earlier that I'm a little too far, but for some reason it didn't. Um, let me give you just a little bit of the background and setting here in Matthew 14. Being a disciple of Jesus was, was pretty fun at this point. It was, it was going pretty well for, for the 12, especially who were his disciples. And uh, the teachings were still hard for them to understand. They still really didn't understand much of what he was saying, but the miracles were pretty impressive pretty fun. If you look at uh, the middle of John 14, that's where Jesus feeds 5,000. 5, He's on the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee, and they gather around. He feeds 5,000 men, plus the women and children with just five loaves and two fish. It's a pretty, pretty high point, pretty fun time to be a disciple. And then comes, uh, comes what happens next. Chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 22 and read through the end of the chapter. So they just finished that miracle on the side of the lake there. Everybody ate, was satisfied. And it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. 
And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Now, this is one of our our favorite stories in, in the Bible. You know, what an amazing moment. Imagine being in that boat, being one of the disciples and looking out and seeing Jesus walking on the water. Imagine being Peter who shares that same moment of glory, right? He, he gets to walk on the water as well. And Peter so often gets, gets criticized from this story. He gets criticized for his, his lack of faith, right? Because he, he sees the wind and the waves and he immediately begins to sink. But, you know, that just doesn't seem fair to me that Peter gets criticized for that. After all, he's the only one who got out of the boat, right? No one else even dared to get out of the boat. I think Peter should have been commended for stepping out of that boat. And in a way, in a way he has. Right? Peter got out of the boat, he walked on water, and here we are hundreds of years later still talking about it, still remembering him. We're still amazed at it. You know, I think in this, in this really entertaining and, and interesting story, there's a significant discipleship lesson for us. You know, over, over the past decade here at Ivanrest Church, we've read a number of John Ortberg books together. We haven't read one of his that has maybe his, the favorite title of all his books that I like the most. It's entitled, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. If you want to accomplish something amazing, he says, then you've got to step out of the place where there's great safety. You've got to step out of the place where there's great security and take a risk. Peter got out of the boat, and it was scary. You know, the, the Sunday school flannel graph picture that I remember when I was a kid doesn't picture it right, because I can still see that on the flannel graph in the basement of the church in Muskegon where, where it shows Peter walking in just a few little, you know, a little bit of water around his feet a little bit. You stick it on the flannel graph. It, it, this wasn't a calm lake with just a few ripples of water at his feet. Peter stepped out into a storm. Right, he stepped into an angry lake with, with foaming water and, 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 and rising up and down, spraying in his face. He stepped into something dangerous, and he realized it. It's when he saw the power of the wind that he realized, I, I shouldn't be out here. This isn't right. He realized the danger he was in, and it began to sink. But Peter had every excuse to stay in that boat in the first place. And, and he didn't take those excuses. When Jesus, when Jesus said, okay, come. When Peter says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come and I'll come. And Jesus says, come. I wonder if Peter said, uh-oh, I didn't expect him to say that. There are all kinds of reasons why Peter never should have stepped out of that boat. They're obvious, aren't they? First of all, nobody walks on water. Hasn't happened before. Right? And, and it's against all the laws of physics. When you step out of a boat into water, people sink and people drown. And there's a storm. There's a storm raging all around. This was really a life and death decision with the odds greatly on the side of death. But Peter wanted to do something great. And the only way to do something great was to dare to step out of that place of safety and security. That's what Jesus calls us to as his disciples. 
He calls us to be his disciples, to be people who are completely sold out for him, people who are eager to follow him like we talked about this morning, people who then want to do something great for his purposes and for his kingdom. And let's be honest here. That's a dangerous thing to do. That's something, if we live it out, if we decide to follow Jesus, it should fill us with fear. Because it challenges us to get out of the boat. It challenges us to leave, leave our place of safety and security. And just like Peter and every other disciple who never got out of the boat, just like they had every excuse not to answer Jesus' invitation and not to step out of the boat, we have all kinds of excuses, don't we? And they aren't hard to come up with. They're pretty easy. I, they're probably pretty familiar. I could list off all the excuses we give why we shouldn't make a radical, a radical countercultural decision to, to serve Jesus. I can point out the wind and the waves and the dangers that tell us to stay safely, stay safe and secure in your social bubble or, or in your home or, or in the safety of the life that you've constructed for yourself. There's plenty of logical reasons of why we should choose to remain where we are. And, and you know the way that God works, he doesn't usually throw us out of the boat. He didn't run up to the boat and grab Peter and throw him into the water. Right? He leaves it up to us to take that step. I can remember, I've told this story before. I can remember when I was a little kid in swimming lessons. Um, it came time for that, that day at swimming lessons. And I was just in beginners, right? That day when, they, when you had to go in the deep end. And, and I'd never been in the deep end before. I could hardly swim. And so I still, I can picture it like it was yesterday, lined up towards the diving board. And I was at the very end of the line on purpose. And I was bawling my eyes out because I was sure I was going to die. And I remember seeing my mom sitting there watching and thinking, she doesn't love me. She's going to let me die, right? And I got to the, everybody else went, it came to be my turn, and I wouldn't jump. I wouldn't go. And so they grabbed me and they threw me in, right? And uh, it was the most wonderful thing ever. I asked them if I could do it again, and they said no, you know? Jesus doesn't do that to us. He doesn't grab us and say, okay, Go. Not usually, at least. Usually, he gives us the invitation. He says, I want you to jump. Peter, come. I invite you to come on out and walk on water with me. I invite you to this adventure of following me. Step out of the boat, and let's do this together. All kinds of excuses of why he shouldn't have done it. All kinds of excuses that we give of why we don't do it. And so tonight... I want you to think about your greatest excuse. Honestly, reflect on, on your life. Answer the question. What is the excuse that Satan has convinced me of that keeps me safely in the boat? Even when, when Jesus says, come on an adventure with me. Let's walk on water together. Let me give you just a few examples of what, what the excuses might be. Maybe it's the I'm too busy excuse. That's one of our favorites in our culture, isn't it? We can list off all the things that, that we are doing in our lives, all the things that keep our Saturdays full, like soccer games and basketball games and gymnastics and, and grandkids and all sorts of stuff, everything that keeps our evenings full. All week long, we got places to go. Even all the church activities that we participate in, we don't have time to do the things that true disciples do. We don't have time 
you know, to make daily time to be in the word and pray. We don't have time to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. We don't have time to volunteer or serve in the church or in the community or, or to work for justice in this world. And sometimes, and to make ourselves feel better, we use the someday excuse, right? Someday I will. Someday I'll have time, but that someday never comes. In fact, today might be that someday for some of us here, and, and we're still talking about it, talking about being the disciples we wish that we, we were. Or maybe it's the, the I'm too young excuse. You know, when, when we're young, we think that when we're older and wiser and have more life experience, then I'll be able to step out of the boat and be used by God to, to make a difference in the world and in the kingdom. But then as we get older, we get busy with college and career and family, and we're certain that, okay, when I get to the next stage of life, when my kids are, are grown maybe, when the house is finally empty, when I finally retire, and we keep looking further and further and say, that's when it will be. And by the, time, by the time we finally do retire, we decide we're too old to do it. <laughs> we're too old for the adventure now. Right? That's a young people's thing. We end up, maybe some of us end up leaving this life without ever getting out of the boat, without ever having that, that spiritual adventure. Maybe we use that, I'm too new of a Christian excuse. I don't, I don't know all the answers yet. We think we need to to learn just a little bit more before we can step out of that boat. We need to have all the right answers because somebody might challenge us and we won't know the answer. So, So we keep studying and learning and growing and we never feel like we're smart enough or good enough to step out of the boat. Or maybe we just aren't as reformed as we as we claim to be. Right? Maybe maybe we keep our spiritual lives and the rest of our lives as separate as we can. And we got our church people and our church activities over here, and we try and keep them separate from our work people and our our hobby people and our neighborhood people and our school people. And we do our best to keep them apart. It's easier and safer that way, right? To to mix them together is like stepping out of the boat. I might just sink. Maybe we, we use the I don't have room for any more people in my lives, in my life excuse, right? To be used by God to change someone's life means investing in a relationship with them. It means finding room for one more person in a friendship. And maybe that that friendship will be with somebody who maybe doesn't make us all that comfortable. We got enough friends. We feel pretty good with all our relationships. So why would I want to drop one of my relationships and, and make room for a new one? I don't know. What's your greatest excuse? What is it that tells you again and again, just stay in the boat? Just stay in the boat. I can't answer what it is for you. But I would guess that you can, if you dare to answer. Maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's, maybe it's a different excuse. Maybe the truth is we, we really don't want to be a disciple that much. Like we talked about this morning, maybe we don't really want to follow Jesus completely because that's scary. Each one of us, I think, needs to face our excuse. And I've got them too. I've got my excuses of why I don't step out of the boat when Jesus says, come on, come on, let's do this together. Those are the, the words of Satan, the tools of Satan that hold us back. He's trying to convince us, just stay in the boat, just stay there. 
He likes nothing better than to keep all the followers of Jesus huddled together in the boat while he causes storms in the rest of the world around. He likes nothing better than to keep us nervous and scared to step out in the middle of that storm. But if we're following Jesus, then we need to place God's calling in our lives, place God's invitation in our lives above our excuses. Because when God does call us, he gifts us, he empowers us. He gives us what we need to walk on water and to have have kingdom experiences that we can only dream of. See, once we've set aside all these excuses, once we have the courage to say, yes, I hear those words of Satan, I hear all the reasons why I shouldn't, but I'm going to listen to God anyways. I'm going to say yes to his invitation. Once we get out of that boat, then, then we realize that God has gifted us. God has used us. In fact, all of us, Ephesians tells us, all of us have been gifted and God has prepared good works for us to do. He's prepared opportunities for us to get out of the boat and to make a difference in this stormy world around us. What might getting out of the boat look like for you? For some of you, the answer is probably easy. It's probably already rushed to your mind because maybe you know what your gift area is or maybe, maybe it's rushed to your mind because God's been asking you to do this for a long, long time and you've been hiding in the boat. And you know he's asking you to. Some of us have been given the gift of intercession. If you have the gift of intercession, maybe God's asking you to pray. He's asking you to take that bulletin every week and pray through those care needs that are listed or pray through the church calendar for all the events going on that God would change lives through them. Or maybe he's asking you to be a prayer warrior for the missionaries on the bulletin board. And he's saying, that's what it means for you to get out of the boat to commit time to prayer because I've gifted you as an intercessor. Maybe some of you have the gift of service and God's asking you to serve someone whom he loves deeply. There's so many opportunities to serve and he's asking you to do one maybe. Maybe family promise, maybe just to serve in nursery on a Sunday morning or to be a one Wyoming mentor, maybe to to go to the Westin once a month and serve there at the birthday parties, or to write a, or make a freezer meal, or write a cart. I don't know what it is. My guess is when some of those acts of service, opportunities get mentioned, your heart skips a little beat. And I think that skip of the beat is God saying, that's yours. That's what I've called you for. Come on, let's get out of the boat and do it together. Some of you have the gift of wisdom and discernment. And there's a conversation that God is asking you to have with someone you love. There's someone who needs to hear the truth spoken in love by you. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. And God's asking you to speak out against injustice. He's asking you somehow to to help usher his kingdom more fully into this world. Some of you have the gift of compassion. And for you to speak that word of encouragement, for you to make that phone call that God places on your heart, for you to send that note, would be to step out of the boat and to answer God's call for you. You know, those notes can be so powerful and so important. You know, I still have, for those of you, with, for those of you who had the gift of encouragement, I still have, it's been over 10 years since my dad died, I still have that whole stack of cards that many of you sent 
I still have a, a desk drawer filled with cards that I've collected over the last 13 years, words of encouragement. Sometimes we know we should send it, and we just don't do it. If that's God's calling to you, maybe stepping on the boat means that you consistently speak words of encouragement. Some of you have the gift of giving. And you see the opportunity to give. And you feel that tug on your heart. God saying, come, trust me. Don't wait until, you know, don't wait with all the excuses. You know, someday when I'm, when I'm wealthier, then I can give more. Someday when I have more, I can give more. Maybe step around the boat is to give when God shows a need. What is it for you? What is it for you where God is saying, step out of the boat. Trust me on this. Let's have an adventure together, a discipleship adventure. Some of those opportunities are big. Some are small. All of them are faith opportunities where Jesus himself is inviting us to step on out and join him in what he's doing. Would it be easier to stay in the boat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Will we miss the joy and fulfillment and true purpose that God has given us if we do stay in the boat? Certainly, we will. So what's keeping you in the boat? What's keeping you from stepping out? Think about it. Outside the boat is where Jesus is, right? That's where we walk with him. He tells us to have no fear because he's proven that when we step out, and when we start to sink, our worst fears come true, right? We start to sink. What happens then? What happened to Peter? That's when Jesus grabbed him by the hand. He said, no fear. I'll hold on to you. You won't walk alone. We'll be on this adventure, this water walking adventure together. I don't know how many of you have uh, seen the movie Up. Anybody seen the movie Up? Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those kids. What's that? Oh, I've seen it probably a dozen times. It's one of those kids' movies that every adult should see. It's a wonderful movie. Um, it's worth seeing. If you've seen it, you know the line that gets repeated dozens of times throughout that movie. It starts when this little girl and little boy are just, are just children together. And it's a line that, that she challenges him with all of his life until even when he's an old man, even after she has... I'll blow the movie for you. Even after she's died, he's still hearing this line from her. And the line is that she teaches him is adventure is out there, right? Adventure is out there. Well, that's true. In our spiritual lives, adventure is out there. We don't want to live just huddled in the boat. There's real-life adventure with Jesus. There's life-changing adventure with Jesus. There's kingdom-bringing adventure with Jesus. There's water-walking adventure if we'll get out of the boat. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the spiritual adventure that is out there. You are eager and waiting to change this world, to change a life through us, through anybody who will answer your call when you invite us and say, come, you'll use us. We recognize and we admit that that's scary. That staying in the boat feels so good to us and so safe and so secure that so often when you say, come, we say, no, thank you. 
I would guess, Father, that this week, in some way, big or small, you are going to invite each one of us to step out of the boat. You're going to say, come. Come use what I've given you for kingdom purposes, and let's have an adventure together. When that moment comes, Father, give us courage, like Peter, to say yes, Lord, and to take that very first step and to trust you. Thank you, Father, for the adventure that you promise. And thank you that you tell us to have no fear because we'll be walking every step hand in hand with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna respond with two songs.